o'clock now. Thank you very much, Cass. Uh, just a couple of things very quickly as well before we introduce our speaker. Uh, one, on Wednesday night, Pastor Lawrence, Pastor Lawrence will be here. There's some of the cell groups that meet on Wednesday nights. And so I spoke with those particular cell groups and we're going to have basically a night with night of ministry and teaching under the word with Pastor Lawrence up here at the up here at the church. If you guys want to come along, if you're not part of those Wednesday night cell groups, that's fine. You are more than welcome to come along as well. I just want to make that invitation open to everybody. Um, so please come along. That'll be on the Wednesday. So from the 8th to the, how long is he here for? 8th to the 18th, I think it is, or the 10 days that he's here. Um, if you would like to have him at your cell group as well, I've already spoken with Chris, who meets on a Thursday night. And uh, Pastor Lawrence is going to go visit his cell group on a Thursday night. If you want to come along on the Wednesday night or any other cell groups, so you want to ha have him come visit you guys, basically Pastor Lawrence just said, I am at your disposal. I'm at your disposal. So he would like to minister as many times and as in many places as he can during the week that he's here. So please come and see me about that. So Wednesday night here. There'll be a light supper on that night as well because I know a few of you. Will, it'll be a 7.30, aiming for an 8 o'clock start. So 7.30 to get here, have a light supper talk around we can have a cup of coffee and stuff afterwards as well on that Wednesday night just to remind you also continue to pray for Amanda as she uh, prepares for the gingerbread house continue to pray for people that you want to come along or that you've invited along to the gingerbread house as well so uh, please be praying for that which is going to be very exciting and the carols we're having a carols in December so pray for that as well to invite people along and to reach out and pray for the team that's getting that organized um that's all from me. It's my honor and privilege. For those of you who may not know, and we have a good friend of the church, and he's been with us for a number of years now, and I've known him, and the privilege of knowing him for about 20, wow, 20 years, bro. It's been that long. And you, you haven't, and I was just telling him he hasn't changed. He hasn't changed at all. So if you just want to make our brother welcome, brother John, come on up, please. Give him a round of applause, please, brothers and sisters. Now, as I said, so I've, known, I've known you for 20 years. Well, I'm sorry. I apologize for that, eh, for knowing me for 20 years. But see, I was just telling John when I saw him, he hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. In the 20 years I've known him, he hasn't changed. Between 20 years ago, he still had white hair. He still had white hair. But 20 years ago, I did have hair. So I think, I think, I think he got the better trade-off there. Like, I, I prefer white hair to no hair, but that's the way it goes. Um, for those of you who don't know, John, could you introduce yourself very, very briefly? choice um yeah well betty my wife and i we've um had the privilege of coming along here a few times and uh getting to know you and interacting with you and sharing a few things shared one easter camp with you yes but um yeah our background is uh we were missionaries in indonesia and um how long were you in indonesia for 15 years and worked in a uh with a people called the tagutil people and, and how, with, so 15 years, and ha what year did you actually go out? Uh, we, we went to Indonesia in 1980 and then came home in, at the end of 95, expecting to be here a couple of years, get our kids settled and then go back. But <coughs> the organisation that we worked for asked us to stay on, so we, we did that. And so where's the, the work now in <coughs> Indonesia? Where's that now? So where's that now? Well, uh, Good question. Our, one of our co-workers, a uh, guy by the name of Don McCall, uh, just went back about three weeks ago oh, wow. and had uh, about a week and a half with the people. They, um, they had gathered churches from all over Indonesia to Lili, where we lived, and had a, had a big congress. 
there. So this is the first time they've ever hosted anything like this. So it would have been a new experience for them. But he said he came back so encouraged with uh, some of the young men that that are um, uh, that they're, they're looking to make elders. Yep. Uh, there's six churches have been planted by them. And that's with all the all the uh, missionaries. We've all been out of there uh, since '98 when the fighting broke out between Christians and Muslims um, in Maluku province. Mm. Um, every all the expats had to get out. And then it was pretty touchy for a long time. So uh, rather than allow us to go back in and draw attention yeah. uh, to them, our organisations just said, look, just stay out of there. And so they've had to uh, carry on on their own. But it's, you know, God does amazing things and they have continued to grow and grow in faith and grow in number. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's really exciting, the fact that, like we're expendable. Yeah, absolutely. God and his spirit with his word will carry on doing irrespective of people. And that, I think that's really quite cool. So I yeah. think I think the war that broke out that kept you fellas out, it's probably the best thing for the church. Yeah. So yeah, it continue yeah. to grow and function dependent upon his spirit and not dependent upon Australians and stuff being there. I think, yeah. that's, I think that's really exciting. So, brother, if you don't mind, I'll pray for you. Yep. And then uh, we're really excited as to what the word okay. is that the Lord's laid upon your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for John and Betty. We thank you for their heart that is sensitive to you and their willingness to obey the call you've placed upon their lives. Thank you for the work that you are doing in Indonesia with the Tugutil mm. and the fact that you are continuing that work because you began it, you continue it, and you will complete it because of your son, Jesus Christ. So we commit our brother John into your hands now as he shares with us. May we have hearts that are receptive. May we respond to the convictions you lay upon our heart and may we be obedient to the call you've placed within our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Well, it is good to be back and I just sense a warmth in this uh, fellowship every time we come back here. So we're, we're very thankful for, for you all. Um, Joe gave me the topic, uh, having a heart after God. He always gives me these really easy ones, you know, uh, like prayer and and uh, having a heart after God. And when I'm preparing for them, I'm thinking, oh, goodness me, I wish <laughs> I feel so needy as I look at the word and I think about these topics. And um, But I pray that uh, we'll be challenged and encouraged this morning with the things that I want to share with you. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about the heart, heaps actually. And uh, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, uh, that's the story of where um, Samuel goes to anoint uh, the new king, the replacement king for, for Saul, who, who wasn't the greatest. He was like the kings, the pagan kings around them. That's the way he acted. And, and, and um, God said to Samuel, Samuel, it's time to replace him. And, and uh, so he goes to Bethlehem, finds um, Jesse, the family of Jesse, and out parade all the boys. And he looks at the, f- the eldest, um, Elias, is it? What's his name? The, the, yeah, the, the eldest. Just forget it at the moment. Um, anyway, he, he says to... Uh, and Samuel thinks he's the man because he's a big dude, you know, big, strong, tall fella. And uh, 
God says this to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so God is, is examining our hearts. That's a part of what he does. He, he wants to exercise our hearts. And um, we, we, can, we can see that our hearts can be close to him or they can be a long way away from him. If we look at uh, Matthew 15, 1 to 9, there's the story of the Pharisees who uh, came to Jesus uh, when he was in Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. So Jesus is thinking, mm, let's talk about traditions. Let's talk about the traditions that you use to get around God's word and how you manipulate the word of God through the use of traditions. And he, said, uh, he says to them, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions and you, you hypocrites Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me and they worship me in vain. So it's very possible to go through the motions of worship and yet have our hearts far away from God. I know sometimes I've caught myself in church singing away to the songs and, and yet my mind in my mind, I'm thinking about, oh, who's playing football this afternoon? Is it the Broncos and the Roosters? Or or maybe, oh, blow, I meant to mow the lawn yesterday. Or things like that. And and yet, here, here are these beautiful worship songs with a wonderful opportunity for my heart to connect with the heart of God. And I'm not focused on Him. And But actually, this, this goes a lot deeper than just singing worship songs it talks about it about their life the life that these guys these pharisees lived and these so-called teachers of the law and and jesus said you know you are to obey the word of god in spirit and 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 the heart of these commandments are what you to follow in your daily life that that you you love the word of God that you that you long to to follow it in the daily activities of life and and you you chase after the things that are going to draw you close to God and you avoid those things that you know are going to pull you away from him and some of those things that pull us away from God aren't necessarily all that bad but they present a massive distraction uh, distraction to us and so we need to be very aware of that so having a heart after God I'm always reminded of of David who was the one who did get anointed by Samuel the son of Jesse the uh, the young young man who was that time was a shepherd out looking after the sheep and they didn't even think he'd be you know in the running for this new new king so just leave him out there and we'll get the we'll get the real candidates in and of course god had different ideas he uses different people and even if uh we don't think he can use us he has news for us god can use us all anyway we hear this phrase mentioned a man after god's own heart twice in the bible 1 samuel 13:14 where um it's used 
in, in that situation. Then again in Acts 13.22. And so uh, it, it's only said of one man, David. David was a man after God's own, own heart. And I have to admit that in thinking that through, I, I have a few questions. Because although David was such an important and prominent figure in the Bible, you know, he's, he's the, the name most mentioned in the Bible apart from Christ. So he's very, very much a part of this narrative that the, the, the big overarching story of the Bible involves David. And we hear about him in the New Testament and, we, and Israel is you know the city of David it's he's so prominent he, Jesus is the son of David and um there's so many references to him in the bible and then um we we hear about his courage we hear so many good things about him his courage as a young man where he fought off a lion and a bear as a teenager when he was watching these sheep and then one of the greatest stories about him was when he fought off Goliath in that battle where all of Israel's soldiers were scared to go up against this massive giant. And here comes this young shepherd boy, takes his sling and goes out <coughs> and kills him. You know, he had incredible, showed incredible integrity when he was being chased by King Saul. And um, all of his encounters with him he had amazing leadership abilities in that he was able to unite all ten tribes of Israel um, under his own kingship. And he was a military um, expert in that he conquered so many places around him. Although God does say that he gave him the victory in all of those. And so he was a prophet. He wrote uh, around 74 of the psalms that we have those beautiful beautiful psalms he was in covenant we had the davidic covenant and and it was he was part of the godly line through which the messiah would come and so all these wonderful things about this man and yet at the same time this man who said who god said was a man after his own heart at the same time we know he was an adulterer we know he was a scheming murderer who plotted the death of Uriah so to try and cover his own sin. We know he took multiple wives, even though in Deuteronomy 17 they were told that the kings must not do that. And they were told that they must not amass uh, massive wealth. David was, he would have been a trillionaire. He, he had amassed gold, not by the pound or by the kilo, by the ton. They had massive wealth. He probably would have been the richest man on the planet. And if you transferred that over to now, to today's standard, he would have made the Saudis look pretty ordinary. So he did things that were wrong. But the, I think the, most, the saddest thing he did was his neglect of his children as a father and the the problems that resulted the consequences of doing that were pretty diabolical <coughs> so if he had all these 
while he had plenty of good things about him, he had a lot of bad things about him too. And why would God bestow on him this title of a a man after my own heart? And uh, (coughs) that's what we want to look at. Now, before we leave all this, all the junky part of his life, uh, one thing you have to say about the Bible is that it does give us a very honest picture of humanity it doesn't it doesn't try and cover up anything it doesn't try and uh, sugarcoat all of these people of faith you know we 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 hear about their shortcomings and and um and i think that goes to reinforce in our own thinking the fact that god's word is truth and we can depend upon it we can know that it's true because it's it's the one uh world view that relates so well to reality and um, and God in, in, in an amazing way matches the, the, the narrative the story of the Bible to what we actually see happening around us we see the, the depravity of man and the Bible talks about that in Jeremiah 17 9 he says the heart is deceitful and and it's deceitful above all things and it's beyond cure. Who can understand it or who can know it? And so the Bible actually says that what we're seeing in humanity is exactly what God says about it. We've got this massive sin problem and David wasn't uh, immune from that. Man's heart is desperately wicked and we all need a brand new heart. And of course, uh, that's what God wants to do for all of us. And so, can we have a heart after God and be sinful? Can we have a heart after God and go on disobeying obeying Him? Because even with our new hearts that God gives us, we know that there's a continual struggle, isn't there? We, we, we struggle with the world and with, and with the flesh and with the devil. But God has given us his spirit to empower us. And it's the spirit of God who lives in us that gives us the strength to say no to sin. However, David was usually, and this is one of the things, things that I think is one of the qualities of a person who has a heart after God even though he did this sinful stuff he was usually quick to acknowledge it and we have the story of when Nathan the prophet comes to him and confronts him about his sin with Bathsheba and what he did to Uriah more about his 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 uh, killing of Uriah and uh, Nathan tells his story and and David responds with anger and he says he said that man should die and Nathan says to him he nails him he says you are that man David and David's response is not to say well look if she hadn't been having that bath up on the roof I wouldn't be in this situation or if she'd been fully clothed when she was having it at least then it, I wouldn't have been as tempted 
but he says he says to him um, you're right I've sinned against the Lord and so he doesn't do an Adam and Eve where they try and push the blame onto someone else he he acknowledges his sin and he's quick to do that so a person with a heart after God is aware of their sinfulness is 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 quick to acknowledge their sinfulness isn't defensive when it comes to owning up to the to the issues that we have in our lives David says in Psalm 25:11 for, for the sake of your name O Lord forgive my iniquity though it is great so he's very aware of his own sinfulness you know 1 John 1 7 is is really good at make clarifying the situation that we find ourselves in um, he says uh, in verse 7 but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin so he's talking about there if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship together with one another so we get on together well when we're all walking in the light so the context is our relationships but if we claim that we to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness if we claim we have not sinned we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us and so part of part of um, living in relationship with others which we all have to do whether it's our own family um, husband wife brothers and sisters uh, church fellowship <coughs> whatever I think it's a, a person with a heart after God is quick to, to, to be aware that hey listen I can be at fault here if we're having a problem I'm going to put the focus back on myself because I know I'm sinful and if I don't think I'm a sinful person then I'm calling God a liar that's what that verse says <coughs> so it's quick to to acknowledge my my sin you know we <coughs> we have our, at the church I go to we do a thing called explaining Christianity with non-Christians and church people try to invite their non-Christian friends along and there's four nights of explaining the Christian faith and in one of those sessions we talk about God being holy and being up here right down the bottom man the worst of mankind the Hitlers the the Pol Pots the uh, Stalins and all those characters that that wiped out millions of people and uh, <coughs> we say okay they're down here God's up here here's the 50% line where do you think you fit there and most people will say well I'm probably up around the maybe 60 the, the really self-righteous ones might say 80 you know so <laughs> we all sort of think we're <coughs> we're pretty good and then the next slide in this in this presentation it it takes you know it, it's got a, th a little mark up there at 80 percent or something 
and it says but how God sees us all is ooh, comes right down to near these guys near these these people that have just done terrible things and that knocks the wind out of people man God sees me like that surely not and yet that's the the <coughs> the horribleness of our sin and you know the thing is it's only when we recognize how terrible our sin is that we understand the wonder of his grace that we understand the 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 magnificence of the forgiveness that we have you will never appreciate that unless you see the horribleness of sin unless you start to consider a little bit of how God views it and he views us all as potentially very evil people that's what he says who can know that the wickedness of the heart and so I think one of the things about David was that he knew how wicked the potential he had for wickedness <clears throat> and I think that was one of the things that contributed to him having a heart after God <coughs> excuse me because he knew because that helped him understand the wonder of the grace of God the wonder of the forgiveness of God and of course <coughs> all that forgiveness and wonder uh, um, mercy and everything that God has bestowed on us comes upon us purely and simply because of Jesus we have no other hope than him and him alone now <coughs> okay so David a man after God's own heart and yet he did all this really bad stuff does that mean that <coughs> we can sort of think oh well God called him gave him that wonderful title therefore I can you know it's not too bad if I'm sinning a bit I can you know God tolerated sin in his life so probably he'll tolerate a fair bit in mine and I don't have to do much about that <coughs> well I love this verse in Titus 2 11 to 13 <coughs> excuse me yeah please hey, thanks Tom. um listen, listen to this this is this is a verse that every Christian needs to learn off for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people it <coughs> and notice it's talking about the grace of God not the law of God not the law that's bashing us over the head but the grace of God his undeserved favor and his his uh, enabling divine enabling of God it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age oh thank you in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ oh I love that verse the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness My, when I think of someone saying no I usually think of 
<laughs> we got a little little grandson, and when he was a little fellow, you know, he'd be doing doing stuff. He might have a toy or something, and be, be about to smash it into the television set, and um, we'd say, Isaac, no, no, you know, and then he'd turn around, and he'd say, no, or you'd say, Isaac, eat your vegetables, no, and um, so no was a very negative sort of word, but here. It's a wonderful word. And, he, and, and this is when, when I find myself tempted, I have to say, you idiot, don't you even contemplate doing that sin. Because why? Because the grace of God teaches you to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. That's a great little thing to have in your mind, people, when you're tempted sin the grace of God teaches us to say no and I think a person who with a heart after after God longs to live a holy life longs to be able to say no to sin when it comes our way and it will come but David took it beyond just dealing with the sin because he says he says to God I want you to search me and I want you to reveal the stuff that I'm not even aware of in my life that's junk, that's stuff that's going to keep me away from you. So in Psalm 139, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Please, God, expose the junk in my life. Does anyone here have any junk left in their life? Oh, I've got plenty still, and I'm still working on it. Betty will let you, will <laughs> testify to that because <laughs> she gets to see it more than most people. And but but David took it to that step beyond just dealing with the sin. He said, "Look, there's stuff in my life that I don't even know's there that's keeping me away from you. So expose that and make me aware of it." Yeah, so what else was it that caused God to describe David in this way? Despite all his sh- shortcomings, he, he had a, an incredible hunger for God, a hunger to know him more closely. And, of course, those magnificent psalms show this. Psalm 27, The Lord is my light, and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked advance against me to devour me in it is my enemies and my foes who will struggle and fall though an army beseech me my heart will not fear though war break out against me even then I will be confident so he's talking about the context here is the wicked advancing against him to devour him, the armies besieging him, war breaking out against him. So the context of this verse is some pretty bad stuff happening, some pretty scary stuff. And this is what he says, his response. One thing I ask from the Lord, this one thing do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And so it was 
I, as I you know, I read and studied this up, I, I started to see how more and more it's it's in the trials of life, it's in the difficulties of life, when times are tough, that we where we have nowhere else to go but to God, and we cling on to Him and we hold on tight to Him. And I know some of you are going through tough times and be like David look at those tough times and just run to God and say Lord this is what I want from you this is what I seek that I might just behold your beauty and gaze upon it and seek you because when everything's running running smoothly and everything's running well we tend to not do that that's the sad reality of life for us. You know, Betty pointed out a verse to me. She was doing a devotions the other day, and she said, John, have you ever seen this? And it's 1 Peter 4, 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the, st- the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Whoever suffers in the body is done with with sin verse 2 as a result they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desire but rather for the will of God for you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do living in debauchery lust drunkenness orgies carousing and detestable idolatry so it seems that under incredible trials and suffering we don't even consider now now admittedly some people become very bitter and twisted that's the way they against god but here peter's saying that when when we're just overwhelmed with life and with and we're suffering for christ and we're really doing it tough we're far more likely to not even consider going off and to some club and partying all night and getting drunk that doesn't even come into your mind you're flat out just surviving and it's in the in the that place of wanting to survive that you just run to God who you know is full of grace is full of love is full of everything you need to be sustained through that trial you know, Philippians 3.8, Paul says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now, if ever there was a man who, who, was, who was focused and, and on the Lord and living for him and taken up with him, and worshipping him and, and, and living in a state of God use me as your vessel for your glory alone it was him and he says for whom sake I have lost all things I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ that's where the world and all that it offers stood with Paul it was just out the door you know, I was um, on our church's website 
<coughs> the other day and I, I noticed Betty's uh, testimony is there. And I, ha- I thought, oh, I'll have a listen to this again. And so I listened to her testimony and she talked about, I asked her if I could share a little bit of it with you. She talks about the time when she was really, really down, very, very low. She, her energy levels as a result of, of burning out really and p- past um, post-traumatic stress disorder that she'd suffered uh, had taken her so low and just to get out of bed for her was such an effort. She'd wake up with terrible headaches and um, at, at that time w- we might go down the shops and be half an hour at Woolworths and that would be it for the day. She couldn't do anything else. Um, just wanted to go back to bed, exhausted. And she talks about uh, saying to God, God, is this what I have in store for the rest of my life? Is this all I have to look forward to? And she said it was like God said to her, Betty, what if it is? So what if it is? Aren't I enough? Aren't I enough for you? And you know, she looks back on that time and she said in her testimony, that was such a a valuable time in her life. Such an important time of of recognizing that that God wanted to be her all in all. He wanted to be everything. He wanted her heart. And if he was all she had, so be it. That needed to be enough. You know, and it's in the midst of our pain and and suffering that God grabs hold of our hearts and that we grab onto him the psalmist uh, David says be merciful to me O Lord for I am in distress my eyes grow weak with sorrow my soul and my body with grief you ever been there at that place where you just you're broken and um you wonder whether there's any hope and yet God God is there he hasn't moved he hasn't changed and as a result of it you know all these encounters of in 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 the hard times that David went through he comes to this amazing love for the Lord he says I love you Lord my strength in Psalm 18 1 and through the midst in the midst of all that and all the all the hardship and that where he he lost his joy he said lord restore to me give back to me the joy of my salvation and he says in psalm 4 7 you have filled my heart you have filled my heart with great joy greater joy than when the grain and the new wine abound so much greater joy than when all the material possessions are around us and are abundant you know, and, and James carries that theme over and he says, consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various kinds of trials. When you, That's a tough one, isn't it? Consider it all joy when you encounter these trials. I think of what Joe and Grizz and the family have been through with Emily. Oh, huge, huge stuff. And, you know, none of us know what's around the corner for us. 
but God is the one solid consistent thing in our lives that we can hang on to almost finished here Psalm 63 1 to 3 you God are my God earnestly I seek you I thirst for you my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life my lips will glorify you because your love is better than life I had a uh, we worked with a young guy Andre I think he might have Andre and Sarah may have been, been here once lovely young fella a um from uh, Portugal and uh, he came into my office he's, he's done training with Crossview to go overseas in, and reach an unreached people group and he came in and he says well Johnny he said Sarah and I have been praying a lot and we believe God will have us go wants us to go to the stands and he mentioned which particular stand um, he wanted to go to and I said to him Andre do you realize how dangerous that place is do you realize that you could lose your life there? I mean, it, it, it is, you, you, you sure? Now here I am, we went into a place where they tried to kill us and all that sort of thing too, but, <laughs> but we didn't realize it. <laughs> God kept us wonderfully ignorant. But this, <laughs> but this guy, he, you know, he, 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 he's aware he knows um, something of the situation and you know he said to me he said John a while back Sarah and I we talked about this and we decided that we that for us Jesus is more precious than our lives he is more precious than our lives and if we go to these places and we lose our life so be it we're prepared for that David says because your love is better than life and because of that my lips will glorify you so a person with a heart after God will be declaring the greatness of God to all around all around them to those who don't know him and um, Psalm 9 1 Lord with all my heart I will tell of all your wonders so that's another attribute of someone who has a heart for God, a heart after God. They're going to want to share the wonder of God, the wonder of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross when he died as our substitute, where he took the punishment that we should have taken and he took that on our behalf. So Jesus is the model of someone who has a heart after the Father and he wants us to be conformed to his image. That's God's greatest goal for each one of us, that we be conformed to the image of Christ. And so if, we, if, if that's our prayer, then we'll have a heart after God. Let's pray that it is. Maybe we should do that right now. But it's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer because, boy, you don't know what's coming. So pray it carefully. Father, we, as we, we think about life and we think about the, the ups and downs and <coughs> some of us will make it through life fairly unscathed 
um, but some will go through great trials and tribulations and just overwhelming times of grief and sorrow and oh Lord we pray we pray that it wouldn't be a waste that nothing would be wasted in that time that we would cling tight to you and Lord as we do that people would glorify you because of what they see us doing that in the midst of terrible stuff we're still finding you faithful we're still finding you our total sufficiency we're still finding you our all, all in all and father we pray that um, you would give us a heart like the Lord Jesus has that you would change us and mould us and make us more like him and then that you would use us mightily to declare your wonders among the nations for your name's sake we pray Amen <laughs>